away. Hello and welcome to For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. I am your host where I get to talk to really cool people in the sports business world. And today that really cool person is Eric VR. He is the social media coordinator at Combate Americas. Hey, hey good job. Good job. Nice, nice. He used to be, he had worked in video production with the Rams and the Chargers, both LA teams, and also as a production assistant with the NFL. Eric, how you doing today, man? You know, it's doing good. Like we talked about, it's another good day to be alive and enjoying what we got. It's a good day to be alive, brother. We cannot complain about that. So, uh, Eric, I'm absolutely excited to talk about your time in sports and sports media with the Rams, with the Chargers, the NFL, obviously what you're doing now. But first question I have for everybody on For the Love of Sports podcast is why do you love sports so much, man? Uh, I guess it goes back to when I was a little kid. I was a little, I was a little chunky boy when I was a little kid. So I guess the only way out was through sports. And that's kind of how I fell in love with sports. And my uncle was had always been a big time San Francisco 49ers fan back in their heyday mm-hmm. so he'd always sit me down to watch football and that's just him and i on the weekends watching football that's kind of how my love for football began and then just me playing sports at parks local parks at the school just kind of made my love for the sports grow bigger and bigger and that's when i knew I was like hey i like this so much why don't i just go get a career where i get paid to do something mm-hmm. in sports instead of something in an office or a cubicle i'm like no let's let's go down this path Yeah, man. I mean, why not get paid to do something that you're actually passionate about, right? Like there's so many different jobs in sports and and you've had a few different ones already at this point. It's just crazy to me to think that, you know, if you're an accountant that really loves sports, just be an accountant Mm -hmm. for, you know, I know it's it's a lot easier said than done, of course, because there's a lot of accountants that want that job. But I mean, if you work hard enough, you, you will eventually get close or get it at some point, which I just think is, you know, why not at least shoot for it, right? We're supposed to work. You go back to your cubicle job that you had before. So why not go doing something you enjoy, work with something you love, including sports? And you've done that a little bit, man. And I know, so you went to University of Oregon. People can't see your t-shirt, but I saw it already. You got you got that nice, uh, there we go, there we go. Um, and you were planning on getting into sports journalism. So while you were there, I know you were at, at did a radio show essentially for about four years, or at least you were on the radio for four years, did a lot of different stuff at Oregon. Some we'll talk about in a second. Um, with sports journalism, you know, you started, you know, six, seven years ago, I guess, at this point, maybe even further, almost 10 years ago. Sounds what, about right. Like the the state of sports journalism, in your opinion, I mean, what was it that drove you to want to do that? And how do you see that now? Because I was the same way. I always wanted to be on TV. I always wanted to be on ESPN. And now I see what's going on. And I'm super, super thankful that I'm not one of those people arguing about really dumb stuff that nobody actually cares about. So I'm just kind of curious your take mm-hmm. on the industry and really what drove you in and and I guess how how you've dealt with not being there, but probably being okay with it. So I think what drove me there, like we talked about in high school, that's when I kind of was putting, piecing it together, what I kind of wanted to do in life and just watching Sports Center at the time. I was like, hey, what did these guys do? Like, how did they get up here? So I started researching like all the big time analysts, like they all went to Michigan, Syracuse, Northwestern, Northwestern, all these, Missouri, all these big time journalism schools. Like, oh, they all went to school for journalism. All right, cool. I guess that's the path I got to take. So that's when I started looking. I applied to Syracuse. I applied to Northwestern, Michigan State, blah, 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 for all these schools where I knew at least they had decent journalism programs. And when I got to school, you know, you just kind of, you know, go through your ups and downs. I started working for the soccer team. I did the sports radio, had a lot of fun with that. But then I started realizing like, hey, this may not be what I want to do just because when I would get on like in front of a camera or on the radio, I would get, you know, jitterbugs. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, you know, just couldn't, stuff wouldn't come out. Like I remember my first radio show, I came out, I said about four words and went blank on live air. 
I was like, oh my God, oh, this buddy. is the worst way to start. Luckily, the co-host was able to pick me up and kept going and I came back in later. But I was just like, oh my Lord, this is uh, not the best way to start this off. And then uh, just kind of, again, did the, but I still continue with the radio just because I, I enjoy sports and I did radio because I knew on camera, I don't think, I didn't think I was ready for that yet. And the radio was just cool because it was free. It was a bunch of kids in college that just loved talking it up about sports. Again, we didn't have like ESPN where you got to go through this mm-hmm. talk about, you know, the same thing every day yeah, for the whole yeah. week. No, no, we were like, we would, we would talk about, hey, what do we want to talk about today? What are the major topics? Obviously, football, basketball, track and field. You know, you used to get your major sports at Oregon like every other school, but we had more of leeway to kind of talk about more stuff we wanted to. So that was fun. And then initially out of school, I had an offer for like a, at a radio station down here in LA. It was ESPN 1330, but it was a Spanish radio station. And that kind of, it's funny, I moved back home, I was ready to go. And then I hear crickets, nothing back from them. And I was like, well, I said no to everything else because I thought I had this Mm -hmm. job ready to go. And when they didn't get back to me, I was like, well, what now what? And then that's kind of where everything kind of found the place. I ended up with the Rams, and now I'm here in Combate. And again, like you talked about, nowadays, seeing how, like, I hate watching some sports shows now just because, like, Stephen A., for example, love the man. Mm-hmm. Hate watching just because yep. he just goes on rants, and I'm just like, dude, please, this is not what I want to hear for the 10th day in a row. Exactly. Especially, like, again, like, when you talk about, like, maybe just put, for example, LeBron. When LeBron's the biggest, when the LeBron's the it thing, you go any any sports channel you put on, that's what they're talking about. And I'm like, you know, there's other sports going on, not just LeBron James. Can we talk about that for a second? There are other players in the NBA too, right? Like, I completely agree. It's just, it's so ridiculous just kind of seeing just these guys and these girls essentially just yell at each other for an hour, an Mm -hmm. hour and a half straight, and then just do it again with just two different people. Like, it just makes no sense to me how... Some of these executives have their jobs. You know, I like to think we are like the the normal sports fan, the person that likes to watch a lot of sports. But, you know, I want to be up to date with the news. Like, don't just put people screaming at each other in front of me. That's not enjoyable at all. Unfortunately, if that's what the ratings say, going to keep doing it. But uh, I don't know, man. I just think it's ridiculous. I miss the days of ESPN News where it would just be a 30-minute 30, 30 block. They'd show the same exact clips over and over again from like 6 in the morning to 12 in the afternoon i'd watch all of it then they change for another four hours and they change again and that was it and i'd watch it over and over and over again yeah but like nowadays i think i, I enjoy watching i mean i don't know if you see jalen jacoby because i feel like that's kind of what i want just two dudes talking about sports mm-hmm. not no screaming no arguing they have some good guests different guests do normally too and it's like that's what i want like i want two people that just love talking about sports it's like basically like you and i just two friends who normally argue about sports you know, we just want to talk about it in front of everyone mm-hmm. else. That I don't want to hear you yapping, you yapping, you yapping. I'm like, that just doesn't help nobody out. Exactly, man. Like, let's let's have a conversation about it. Uh, let's see each other's point of view. Not say you take that side of the argument, I take this side, and we yell at each other. But that's Correct. a whole that's a whole other conversation. So, as you said, you're on the radio for a while. Wasn't maybe uh, maybe you weren't the best at it, but it sounds like you stuck mm-hmm. with it, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Especially after that first time, so many people would have just been like, "Nope, no. this isn't for me," and I'm out. But clearly, you stuck with it. We're there for four years. I mean, how how much better did you see yourself getting? I mean, oh. to the point where you had the opportunity for a job with ESPN. Now, I don't exactly remember what you said that job was for, but at ESPN Radio, clearly you're doing something with the radio, right? So you, mm-hmm. you were there for a few years. How much better did you see yourself mm-hmm. with that consistent, persistent? just working ethic at, you know, just getting better at being on the radio. 
So I think what helped me out initially was I had a really great high school teacher who kind of became my mentor. And when I told him I was going to Oregon in the career path he, I wanted to choose, he's the one who initially told me to go check out the radio station because he did a bunch of research on the school. And I was like, holy smokes, I was not prepared for you to like actually do a deep dive into what's mm-hmm. available. So I went there after that first initial just terrible, basically uh, audition in a sense. I sent it to him. He goes, don't worry, because he had done radio back in back in the day in Kentucky, where he's from. And he did it for years. So he basically kind of was like my right hand man. He's like my rock. And he's like, Eric, don't worry. It happens to everyone. Well, maybe not everyone. But, you know, it's just it's the jitterbug of like the first time doing it. You know, I've never had that kind of experience. And I knew I wanted to stick by it because I'm like, if I quit now, like I came here to do sports and mm-hmm. after my first mess up. Yeah. I can't just give up and it got it got nicer it got better because I just so obviously I recorded myself because I would cover women's basketball men's basketball softball uh just a bunch of random sports that other that the bigger places wouldn't cover and you know to show up do the say for the post game do the interviews and create like a little post game package in a sense mm-hmm. and every year you know I'd always keep my clips and I'd go back and listen I'd be like wow, I was terrible when I started because I was nice and slow and talking like this because I wanted to make sure everyone mm-hmm. you know, understood what I was saying. But I was like, God, I sound terrible. So as the years went by, I noticed how I was just felt more comfortable on the mic. And then, you know, as the radio station saw that I just was very aggressive, was just wanting to get out there and be better, they gave me, like, I guess, the better position. So I started mm-hmm. covering, then I started covering Oregon football games, which is like what everyone wanted to do. So they gave me that, they gave me that junior and senior year because I had been there since freshman year. And that's kind of like you work your way up to the football. Cause obviously football is the bread and butter at Oregon. Yeah. So when I got to that, that's when I knew like, Hey, well, it actually worked out. It paid, it paid off for me, you know? And then I got way more comfortable, but then I was also like, wow, but I'm not watching the football game. I want to be a fan and enjoy, you know, mm-hmm. the aspect of a football game. So I was like teeter tiring with like, oh, should I cover? Should I not cover? Because I was always like, hey, you want you want it or not? There's some games where I'm like, I have to cover. There's some games where I'm like, no, I have to go watch. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. But the ESPN 1330 job was just the same thing as the radio. I was just going to be there like NFL guy just because they had a guy who was covering NFL, but he wasn't the best at it because he was more focused in soccer and boxing. So I was going to come in and help them with uh, football. They had the Rams and the Chargers at the time, I believe. But I, I kind of glad that kind of fell off because at that time, the, it was a Spanish radio station. And my Spanish was just not great because I had left to go to Oregon and my Spanish has dropped down since, you know, there's nobody. I'm not talking. I'm not using my Spanish on a day-to-day basis like I am here at home. But I did decide to major in Spanish just to at least listen to it and read it in a sense. But again, that kind of paved out because I think if I would have stayed at that station, it would have, again, would have been another terrible debut because my Spanish was not up to par to where it should be for a radio station where it's just strictly Spanish. Yeah, that, that would be pretty difficult. And where, um, I didn't ask you earlier, but where is home? Uh, Los Angeles. So I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, specifically in Hollywood. Oh, ooh, very nice. Yeah. One of the, I went to Hollywood High School, the good old Hollywood High School, you know, nice. just. Like nice. that, like nine oh two one oh stuff. I don't. I don't know. No, that's that's I, Beverly Hills. That's ah, Beverly Hills. All right, that's all right. Maybe Hills. next time I'll get it next time. Where where the where the Merrill's? Yep, Merrill's. Merrill's. I'm literally two blocks from Merrill's, so it's nice. I'm right Perfect. by like Fairfax, Merrill's, Hollywood yep. Boulevard, all that I stuff. I got I got my uh, '90s like teen dramedies down, so we're we're good <laughs> there. Uh, teen dramas. I'm sorry. So as so you you get into sports media you love it you hang out there for a couple of years you're doing your thing you potentially you almost get this job 
but it doesn't quite come along, which is very unfortunate. But I do want to take a step back because you you kind of touched upon it and you kind of just glossed over it. But you were on you helped out with the Oregon's women's soccer team, the University of Oregon women's soccer team. You were a manager there, and you were telling me before you felt like a student athlete without any quite any of the perks except you got the backpack, which is pretty sweet. And a lot of people really do gum for that backpack. Believe me, I know. So and then for anyone who hasn't seen the backpack, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is one of the prized possessions at any sports school. Look at that backpack. Gotta love it, dude. That is too funny. Appreciate you showing us, man. But what, um, what, I guess, so you wanted to work in sports media. What was the, where is the connection to sports media? Why, why was working as a team manager? How is that helpful? Or will, how would that be? Here we go. How would that have been helpful in your career moving forward within that realm? So for that job, I wasn't even thinking about like sports media. I was just like, I need a job to help pay for school. Nice. And I was like, I don't want to have, I already had done restaurant jobs here at home. And I was like, I don't want to do this again. It's the worst thing. And then I remember maybe like my third day on campus, I was just tossing the ball with my roommate. And then we met people who were playing football and I saw the backpack. He had it. I was like, Hey, you play sports here? It's like, I only, I've only seen athletes carry that backpack. He goes, no, no, I'm a, one of the managers for the women's basketball team. I was like, that's a job. I already, cause at that point I, I was still oblivious to, you know, the actual mm-hmm. how sports world work college. So he told me about the process. Like, yeah, you know, I get to travel with the team. My job is basically just shag the balls for the players, set up practice, do laundry, clean up. But again, the worst he's like, the worst part is you have your schedule has to work with the schedule of the team. Doesn't matter. And the only bad part is that at Oregon, they didn't let the regular student manager get first access at classes. So I had to wait for my access to classes to be able to like match the schedule. Mm-hmm. But he told me, he's like, yeah, there's an extra application process. But my the person who helped me get the job just told me, dude, just email the assistant coaches of the teams you want to work for, get directly at them because they would – it just it works out better. And I was like, all right, okay, I'll remember that. And then I kept that in mind. And maybe like two months into school, my mom was like, hey, where's your job at? Where's your job at? And then it uh, came to mind. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot, I forgot about that sports manager thing. So then I emailed, I emailed football, basketball, women's basketball, softball, baseball, and soccer. All sports I was comfortable with, or at least I had, I knew that I can, I can maneuver my way through the sport. Mm-hmm. And football said the football. So at, at Oregon, football has trials for managers yeah. every fall. So for I'm sorry, sorry, every spring. So you they start you off in winter, and then for spring ball, and then they work you up to the spring game, and that's where they like cut you down to like who's gonna make it, who's not gonna make it. So they told me if I want to do that, I have to wait till spring. I'm like, oh, I can't wait that long. I need to jump sooner. And then luckily soccer was like, hey, actually, we're about to lose some guy after the winter. So you would be able to come in in the winter to learn and start full time in the spring. But, you know, come in, it's interview, you see what happens. And that whole interview process, you know, went great in my sense. But I told them like, hey, I have not played soccer since like middle school. I know the sport. Don't play the sport. Not my foot to eye coordination. Terrible. Not, not quite the same. Yeah. Not my game. That's just not my game. And they're like, no worries. We're not going to ask you to play. We have practice players for that. And I was like, I felt I get, I got out of there feeling comfortable. I was like, oh, that, that was a good interview. Let's, let's see how this goes. And then over winter break, I get a call from the head coach saying, hey, actually, the guy who's going to leave took off early. So if it's okay, can you start in the winter? I was like, of course I can start. But I was like, but what's the schedule? You know, because I already at that point I already selected my classes, and it so works out that I had chosen nothing but afternoon classes because I wanted mm-hmm. to sleep in. And then uh, they were only going to have morning practices all the winter term. I was like, oh, thank God. But then that's when I realized idea of waking up early to go to practice because yeah. I had to be there an hour before anybody else to make sure everything's set up. And that's kind of how I got into there. And then as I 
as I grew, you know, just become more comfortable, become a, basically we're just a big family. I was basically in a sense like the big brother or the brother because it's just me, the other student manager, and one of the head coaches were males. So only three males on a team with 32 girls, uh, nutrition staff who were all females, head coach, assistant coach were females. So it's like 35 to 38 females and three, four dudes. All right. So it was like, well, it was a cool experience. So not the worst. It could be worse. Could exactly. be worse. It could definitely have been worse. Uh, and how, what, like, what, in terms of what you learned in that position, I mean, again, like, I have to assume uh, efficiency, productivity, time management were probably just a few of the many, many things, as well as relationship management. Again, you know, four dudes and, and 30 something girls, as you said. Um, really have to make sure all the relationships are proper. I mean, it doesn't matter really that ratio of guys to girls. I feel like if it's a swing in one direction or the other, there's just a little bit more contention. Um, so like what, how, how was that experience? And uh, I got to ask, was it worth the backpack? It was definitely it sounds worth like the that's the only reason you went there, man. Mm-hmm. You really wanted that backpack. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't get the backpack till like a year later. Cause they give oh. it to you every, they get, you only get, okay. you only get the backpack every fall. Cause that's when the new yeah. gear comes out. But again, you know, you get the, the Nike gear that, not anybody else can get. So you're in there with the equipment. It's like it's soccer, football, baseball. Every so basically in Oregon, we have two equipment managers. Uh, by Austin Stadium, which is about 20 minute walk from campus, you have football, soccer, baseball, and acrobatics and tumbling because that all the stuffs over there. Mm-hmm. Then on campus, you have the rest of sports. So I was always working with the football staff and the baseball staff. We all just for big one. So we all saw the gear, saw the stuff. We were like, that's cool. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's cool. That's cool. So that was cool. But I think what I really learned was time management, relationships, and just growing up. Because at the end of the day, I had to wake my ass up to go to yep. work. Because if I miss it, you know, there goes my ass. I lose my job. And the thing about being a sports manager at Oregon, you are, you get put on scholarships. So you get parsh, parsh, partially a part of your mm-hmm. tuition paid for. And I, and I was an, I'm an out-of-state student. So it's not, not the cheapest thing at Oregon to be yeah, an out-of-state yeah, student. Yeah. So that helped out. I got tuition plus books. And books, as any college student knows, those can add up after a while, depending on the classes. But I'll say relationships because at the end of the day, I'm friends with both players and staff, but I'm still working for the staff. So there's times, you know, you see stuff happening between the players. I'm like, why'd you do that? Because now I got to go say something because at the end of the day, I'm your friend, but I'm technically not your friend at the same time because I got to still report stuff that I see. So that's, I think that was one of the more trickiest things to balance after a while. Because mm-hmm. at the beginning, you know, I was still like timid, shy, like still trying to work. But then the thing, I think I fell into the trap where like I just became really good friends with everybody. And I was letting some stuff slide that the coaches, I think, eventually heard about. And they're like, well, okay, Eric, I get it. We get it. You know, mm-hmm. you're all hanging out with each other pretty much every day and you become friends, but you're still working. You got to yeah. be here to work. So I think that was kind of the first lesson I learned. And the other ones is, again, just being a hard worker because – there's only two two managers and other teams have five, six, eight, ten. So it's two of us working for everyone. So we had to do laundry, set up the field, travel, make sure our schedule fits the soccer schedule, and still be a student at the same time. Which mm-hmm. yeah, right. You know, you still gotta balance everything out. So I think also just a balancing act because basically what you're playing the whole time, because you wanna be a student, you wanna enjoy college, and you gotta go work because during season we're traveling every other week to different places, and then you gotta make sure your studies are you know up to par so you on the plane where everyone's reading our book taking exams and then when we're at the hotel everyone's same thing you had study hour forever to make sure you get your classes done first because at the end of the day we're students first so but again i got the full like athlete experience again because i had access so at oregon we have something called 
uh, the, uh, I already forgot the name of it. The Jayqua. So the Jayqua Center is our student to our student center. If anyone looks it up, the Jayqua Center is basically a massive glass building mm-hmm. for athletes, student athletes only for tutoring. And as that was like one of the gems on campus because everybody wanted to be inside that building. And if you didn't have a key card, you couldn't go. You couldn't access that building. And that yeah. building was just amazing because I was like, "Holy smokes, this is." This is what they talk about when they talk about like, you know, you, you get little things that other mm-hmm. people are not treated to. And that was great. The traveling was great as well. I got to go to different places that I don't think I would be able to do otherwise. Uh, and then I guess just the gear itself, just because uh, for football, I realized that football already has uniforms planned out for the next five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I got like the behind the scenes info to that. I was like, oh, I didn't I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, this mm-hmm. is cool. I got to see like when they would get all like their Jordans. I was like. You know, they're so lucky. This is what I, that's when I was like, damn, I'm jealous. I'm working for a woman's staff because I would get like, we would get like, you'd like, get ends yeah. meet because like you would have to focus on the girls first. And then by my third year, when that male, when the male assistant coach came in, he goes, no, 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 don't worry, guys. We're going to make our own order for guys because we can't rely. Because the first two years, I had to get like X stuff from like baseball, football, because mm-hmm. the soccer staff would always forget, like, hey, yeah, we have yeah. male staff, we have male staff. And they would only order women's stuff. And I'd be like, I can't wear any of this stuff. And I have to be in Oregon gear. <laughs> so I think that was funny. But eventually funny. They, they, they like learned and caught on. And then I think the, the coolest thing too was my last year when they renovated the 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 equipment, the equipment center over by us. Because I don't know if you guys heard, Mary, Marcus Mariota donated a bunch of money to the school. Mm-hmm. And they built this massive thing in his memory. And they made this nice ass equipment room for us. And that was like, this would have been nice to have all four years, but you know, yeah. you got to work with what you got. But oh. overall the experience, like I said, basically I was a student athlete without being, without having to do all those mm-hmm. other work on the side, which kind of worked out to my advantage. Seem, seems like you still did a bunch of work though. Let, let's be honest about mm-hmm. that. And uh, it does seem like you were uh, a, not, not ran thin because clearly you got through it and it sounds like you got through it pretty well, uh, but definitely a lot that comes with it. And uh, let's be honest, man, it's nobody asked Phil Knight for a new freaking equipment like center. I find that very hard to believe you. They asked everybody. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. that's a whole nother. I read uh, shoe dog. Good book. Um, I'm currently in the process of reading that book right now oh, too. It's, it's pretty good. I, um, now nah, I don't want to say it live, but read it. It's interesting. Nice story about Nike. I'm sure a couple things were left out somewhere along the line, but it is what it is. Uh, but no, man, I think that is really cool. And I'm very glad we got to talk about that a little bit because, you know, that that student athlete experience, especially at a major, major college program like uh, Oregon. I mean, across the board, you guys are pretty much great at a lot of different things. Uh, how how was the women's soccer team? Quickly, I actually have no idea. Uh, we're, they weren't the best, not the best. You know, we had our, we never made it to the tournament. They were never that good. We had, I think, one year where they surpassed like the most amount of wins they've had in a while. So we had like one good year, but in general, it wasn't like top not sports when yeah. like the lower sports still kind of cool though but it was still fun just because again the experience itself i think my college experience would probably would be completely different if oh, i was not yeah. part of that staff because again i was part of that staff from winter term of my freshman year up until i graduated so mm-hmm. it was off basically four years i was yeah. i was there which is great and i would throw this out there if you guys are in school go look at the, the look at those equipment staff positions because they can be really helpful because one year I didn't mention this, but I was really close with the head coach. My dad had lost his job and it was just kind of becoming rough for us to pay for school. And I kind of mentioned that to her and I don't know where she throws me more money for my scholarship for that year. Wow. And I was like, wow, that was uh that really helped out because that basically kind of in a sense made up for what my dad had to pitch in. So that kind of really helped that out. Is- 
Fantastic. Shout that's out. when that that's when I knew I was like this. Yeah, there this you is go. where I meant to be. This is where I meant to be. Well, on top of it though, it probably means you were also doing a pretty damn good job, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure this person whom whomever she was, he was with Cat Merch. Shout out Cat Merch. Shout Kat out Cat. What is up? Uh thanks for everything you do. I'm sure you know, she would have done this for multiple people, but at the same time, it definitely helps if you're an extremely hard worker and she understands what you mean to the team and what you've been able to, the energy, the effort, the blood, sweat, tears that you've been able to put into it. I'm sure those things definitely played a uh, played a part in that. So shout out, Kat. We really appreciate what you did for Eric there. Thank you. Um, so yeah, let's let's hop back and forward in time now. So you <laughs> had that job. We're quitting Tarantino a little bit. Sorry. It's fine. Uh, so you had that job. Lined up with ESPN 1330, uh, the bilingual. You were going to be on the Spanish uh, side football and post game. I think is what she said. You were going to. Uh, I just they just they just told me like yeah and like they just told me in general I was just going to cover football for them. They didn't. They were still kind of trying to figure out what role, but just they're like yeah, just basically going to help us with their football coverage. I was like yes, that's perfect, perfect well, for do me. It. Let's Can't do that. Wait. So. You, as you said, you kind of got ghosted by them. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think that term really existed back then, but it does now. And it sounds like you absolutely got ghosted by them. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you before you started getting back onto the the grind of looking for jobs? Because if anybody that's like been out there sending resumes every day, writing new cover letters, that part sucks. That part is the absolute worst. Um, and I know a bunch of friends that have done it. I've done it myself, of course. How long did it take before you kind of were like, all right, it doesn't look like this is coming through. I got to start doing that again. I think I waited about, I gave it two weeks to like see, I bet, I think every other day I was like emailing, calling. I was like, hey, like I'm back, graduated, I'm ready to work. What's the word? And just after two weeks, I was like, all right, time to move on. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I remembered uh, about two years, I came back home about two so, summers ago. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm going to stop you there. So what what's that like though? I mean, if, if how much you remember it, because that first job out of college, I, I got mine very quickly. So I didn't have too much to worry about. Turns out I hated the job, so it didn't really matter. But uh, you know, that, that first job out of college, like knowing that you had something set up, being that excited, especially for something that you would have loved. I'm sure you told all your friends, you told all your family. I mean, not the fact that they just kind of took it away from you or at least didn't give it to you. Now you have to go back to your friends and back to your family. And they're like, oh, how's that ESPN job? Well, well, it turns out I kind of got screwed. Uh, they didn't answer my emails. Now you you don't look like an idiot, but you kind of feel you look like an idiot. You know, that whole thing. I mean, what was that like, especially right out of college, feeling so excited and then kind of just completely? Uh, just to put it, it was just a, if I can say it, it was a shitty feeling. Like I just, I was like, you know, I said, I basically had blown off a bunch of people who were like, wanted to talk to me about a, a, a applications yep. I had sent out. And I was like, nope, I got a job already. I'm good to go. And when I came back, I just settled back. I was like, wow, I just spent four years at school to get this job. It's like, what happened? Like, what did I do wrong? And then mm-hmm. I remember I had own family members telling me like, why don't you just go back to like your restaurant job you have? I was like, I did not go spend yeah. four years of my life at a university to just come back and do the exact same thing I was doing. Yeah. That is not happening. I'm sorry. I could, I would rather be, I would rather not have a job and continue to find the one I want than to return back to where I was. Cause if you go back there, you're going to get comfortable. Yeah. Money's going to come in and then you're not going to want to move up. So I was like, no, I can't do that. Like I graduated. I have my degree. I have to put this piece of paper to work mm-hmm. it was like, as expensive, as expensive as it was. We got to make it work. So about two, three weeks, I was just like, oh, my God, I just moved myself down here. I thought I had a job because before this job, I had I almost said yes to a job in Portland. But then I just I said, oh, let me give it let me give spring break a chance. And that's when the whole ESPN thing mm-hmm. came about. So I was like, oh, no, F Portland. I'm going back home to work in football. So after that, I was just like, what now? Like, what's like I had 
I had not been sending applications for months. I didn't worry about resumes, cover letters. I was like, well, now I got to go back to ground zero. And then I remember I reached out to my counselor at Oregon, who I've known since my freshman year. And she was like, just just go back, just start process all over again. You know, just start looking at what you want to do, what you like, and just start sending out apps. And I was like, well, let's do this again. And then that's when I remember one summer that I had come back home. I was at the gym and I ran into a high school friend who he told me on the weekends, he was just like doing photography stuff for the Rams. So I remember I just reached out to him like, hey, who's your boss? What side of, you know, what side of the Rams does he work at? He goes, oh, you know, we're on the operation side. So not like the creative side that I'm on currently now with my job. So you're, you work, they work directly with the players and coaches. So I was like, hey, can you like, you know, ask him if there's any av- availability? Because I'm just trying to get a job now that I'm graduated. Two days later, he goes, yeah, we're looking for somebody. Training camp starting in two weeks. He said, if you can come down to Irvine next week for an in-person interview, we'll go from there. I was like, well, yeah, that sounds promising. I got to, you know, the idea of working for the Rams. I was like, oh, hell yeah, let's, let's go do this. There we go. So drove down to Irvine, and it was, uh, it was just one of those, like, he didn't say anything. He goes, here's a camera. There's practice. Go film. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But luckily, because I worked for the Oregon women's soccer team, part of my position there was to film practices ah, and games. I was going to ask, like, so where, that's where, where along the way have we been filming anything? And so that's where that's where those two clicked. I was like, well, luckily, I have done some kind of filming, so I knew how to like hold the camera, how to pan, because that was taking it back. That was the one, the biggest knot on the on our coach. She hated when player when the guy would just zoom across the field to catch up. So she goes, nope, just go slowly, pan out, so you can see everything. So that's what, like, at least that part of the women's soccer team applied to this job. There so we go. And he saw the film. He goes, not not too bad. Obviously, it needed some work. But he goes, well, if you want the job, it's yours. He's like, it's not doesn't pay much. You're an intern, but you're here for the full season, training camp season, and the postseason. I was like, cool. You know, I always wanted to work for the football. Let's do it. And then that's kind of where it took off. That is awesome, man. Yeah, I was I was kind of curious uh, this whole time. Like, I know you you got into production with both the, the Rams and the Chargers. And I was like, we haven't talked about camera or film. Mm-hmm. We wanted to get into sports media, and it, it does make sense. So I'm glad we we stopped on the uh, the topic of the Oregon women's soccer team because obviously that, that did come in handy, being yeah. there as long as you did, getting comfortable with a lot. You know, as you said, there was only two managers, right? Yeah. So that means you guys did everything. everything. That was and, then- and, and that was one of them, it turns out out and here you go you got a job and that's kind of one of the cool things that worked out because the other manager was a business guy and i was you know trying to be on the creative side so i think once the coaches saw that they kind of used that to their advantage so he was on the field during games basically doing stats touches goals assists flags i was up on the stands recording social media on the side so i did some social media for them so whenever we're on the road i'd reach out to like pop famous Oregon alums that live in there. Hey, we're in town. Come check us out. We got tickets for you guys. So I just, I just started doing a little bit of like stuff like that. So that's kind of what helped out. And then what they also liked is that I already had been traveling for work for the previous three years at Oregon and working for the team, which is exactly what I was doing mm-hmm. with the Rams. You're going to work for the team. You're here to serve them basically. And you're going to have to travel. I was like free travel, working for the NFL. I get to go all over the world. Great. I would say the best part about working for the NFL team is travel. It's like VIP access. Oh. You know, you're for the Rams. It was crazy because we would always travel Saturday, Fridays after practice or Saturdays after practice, and it's like a scramble because we, you know, we're out there running around with the equipment. Mm-hmm. So once practice is over, the players, you know, relaxing on their way to change or whatever. So we're over there 
getting all our gear and our little like our little humpies is running around practice fields getting picking up stuff taking it back having it to pack all that again to put in the buses and we got to go shower change and hop on the bus but when you get on the bus you get full police escort all right. the way to the air to the airport we're in the plane we have a full plane to ourselves nobody sits in the middle everyone has either a window or a chair mm-hmm. and free food free movies free mm. tv the full experience and Luckily, we sat at the back and like a good a bunch of like the goofballs in terms of players sat in the back. So there's always be like, remember one time there was like Robert Quinn just had his like big old speaker in the back and they were just bumping tunes and everybody was just like giggling and laughing. Awesome. So it's just it's just overall the experience of working for them is great, but the job itself at the end I just it was just not for me. That yeah, I mean I'm I'm sure that experience was an absolute blast. That just sounds like so much fun hanging out with the players. Again, I'm sure you developed a lot of relationships with them along the way as well. I mean, you're there for an entire year. So the job wasn't for you. And again, that wasn't really what you were looking to do anyway. So it's not too, too surprising. You needed a job, as you said, you didn't want to go back to your restaurant job because it feels like you're kind of just spinning your wheels at that point. At least this way you start to get into the industry a little bit. So you were with the Rams for about nine months, correct? Correct. So I started for training camp and I went up until like draft is what I did for them. And, and then which you, so this was 2017, 2017, right? Right. Oh. Right after graduate 2017. And yeah. that was the super bowl. Oh no, no. That was the year before the super bowl. It was the year we oh, lost. Okay. The, that's, that's the year the we Falcon, lost to the Falcon. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heartbreaking. But, uh, so over yeah, that's so the, if you want me to break down the job in a sense, I so mean, the, yeah, sure. So the hardest part again, also, so I live in LA, Rams are located in Thousand Oaks. For anyone who doesn't know, that's 40 miles away from where I live. Wow. One way. Didn't so I, I was up at, to avoid traffic. I was up every day at 5 a.m. to be there by like 6. And I'd be there from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. One, to avoid – it was basically just to avoid traffic. Because if, if I left anywhere after 5.30, 5.45, I was traffic. I'm hitting a wall the whole way there. And if I came home anytime before 6.37, traffic the whole way here. So I'd get there early. We had to set up meetings. Everyone had like tight ends room, quarterback room. Everyone had a meeting to set up. But the good thing is, you know, you have breakfast there. You have snacks, snacks galore, breakfast galore, everything galore pretty much. That was, know, again, the thing. amenities and the perks of this job sounded pretty sweet. So, perks and amenities about the job were probably the best thing about it because then you show up, he's like, here's all your Rams gear to be wearing around practice. I still have a bunch of free Rams gear, Oregon gear, Chargers gear. And I'm a Broncos fan, so wearing the Chargers Ooh. gear hurt. Uh, yeah. But I'm like, a job's a job at the end of the day, so it doesn't matter. And then basically my job was basically to point and shoot a camera during practice and then go back, edit it for the coaches and players to see the plays. And then for two days, just go back run new practice. And because my boss knew I had done like final X and premiere, mm-hmm. I had to work with the training staff because they did a bunch of mobility stuff for the players to see, like just to make yeah. sure they're doing the thing right. And I had to go in there and just basically edit all that video for them. And then during game days, I had one of the better jobs. I was on the field that passing out, the surfaces that the players and coaches used to watch the plays. That was my job on game day. So I had basically a field view of everything, which is great. That is, that is incredible. And that was a good year though, right? That was, that was Sean McVay's first year. So that was still a lot of fun. It started to get promising Uh, a good, good buddy of mine's a Rams fan. So I kind of pay attention to them a little bit more than those. That's that's the year. That's the year I got to go to London as well with the team. Mm -hmm. We went to Jacksonville. We hung out in Florida for a whole week because they didn't want to fly back and then fly over to London. So after we played the Jaguars, we stayed and then flew over to London. That was cool. That was we stayed in like this top notch hotel, maybe like forty five minutes north of London. Mm-hmm. They had a, they had a spa. Everything was included. I was like, 
we're living the life here. This is, Damn, this is, man. This is great. Well, what's it like going back to normal people life? Like that plane <sighs> ride. I feel like if I ever went on a plane ride like that, I don't think I could go on another plane ride again. Once it, once that, I started, that's the thing. You get yeah. used to it. Once I, once I went on those planes, and for my my courage, I become better. I travel with them too, and I'm just another passenger, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I I miss the days where they pick me up, take me to the plane. I just yep. I literally hop off and hop on. We didn't have to go. We did a yeah. TSA pre-check in in a Thousand Oaks for the Rapsley, and it was just like pat you down. All right, hop on the bus because as soon as we drive up, you just go straight onto the bus. So I remember after that experience, I was like, God, this would be nice to have every time you travel. Just mm-hmm. just experience. But you know what? You you just grow to love it. But I'm like at the end of the day, I'm like, well, you know, it's. It's, it was nice to have. I don't. I don't mind. Again, Pretty it just, cool. just now you know. Now yeah, you know just, what you're shooting for, right? Now, just, now you know where you want to get yeah. to. It just um, wasn't the job for me at the end of the day yeah. because during season, my friends, family did not see me. What I was working Monday, Friday through Saturday sometimes, or we were gone for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So and it was, and the turnarounds were crazy because on when we would travel, the game ends, hop on the bus straight to the airport, back home. So you better make sure we got to pack everything as fast as we can because mm-hmm. everyone's trying to get out there as soon as we want. Yeah. So it's just the turnaround is crazy and you got to get back home and then LAX to Thousand Oaks, another like 30 minute, 40 minute drive as well. So you have to wait for that drive. We'll get there, hop everything off, make sure the players, our coaches are fine. Mm-hmm. If they need anything, if they need anything, we got to stay back and do that and then go home. And then we got to be back the next day yep. to prepare for the week. So it was just my goodness. So it was, and then coming straight from college. So I graduated early from Oregon. Mm-hmm. My last three months, I was just up there to hang out with friends and just work and just enjoy college before it's officially over. So I went from doing kind of nothing to having nothing to do but work. Mm-hmm. In a span of like two months, I was like, oh, my God, this real world is not as fun as everyone was talking about. Right. Job yeah. was fun, but the whole thing was like, just, oh, my God, what am I, I doing here? I actually cannot imagine it. So thank you for uh, explaining it a little bit to us. Again, pretty jealous of those amenities um, and the perks. But after that, yeah, I can understand how it gets kind of tough. And so you said it really wasn't the job for you. And I guess, you know, after the Rams, you then went to the Chargers for a couple months as well. I think if I'm not mistaken, my timeline has it where you at the Rams and the Chargers for like a maximum of like a year, it looks like. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So after so, the, my boss, yeah. the Rams said there's going to be probably a chance they won't be able to bring all of us back, but it's okay. But the Rams are hiring. They reached out to us if we know anybody. And I was like, well, if they're hiring and they're going to have me for the year, I'll go. I'll take mm-hmm. it. So I went, met with them. But at that same time, I had met someone who said, hey, I can get you into the NFL Network. I'm like, of course. Yeah, yeah. NFL Network. I've always wanted to work there. And it's closer to home because the Rams are, I mean, the Chargers are the complete opposite way. They're down in Orange County. And it's another hour away from me. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to be driving this way again. Another hour. And they paid less than the Rams. I was like, Uh as an intern, it's like, I'm like, this is not going to help out. Mm -hmm. So then when I went through the whole process, I was with the Chargers for two months as I was like going through the interview process with with, uh, the NFL Network. I didn't want to leave until I knew if I had an offer or not. And then when they offered me, it's when I broke it down. I'm like, hey, guys, just I'm going to have to say thank you, but no yeah. thank you. Like, I'm going to yeah. take this job because it's just better for me and my career. That's and awesome. it worked out. And then then the network job was fun, but then I also realized it's not what I want to do also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, the Chargers job, it seems like it was a lot of the same stuff with the Rams job just for a significantly uh, shorter period of time. So talk to me about, I mean, you called it when we spoke on the phone, I don't know, a week ago, earlier this week. I don't Time, days, they don't really make sense anymore, but – when you when you were talking about it, you were saying that this was kind of a dream job, as you just said, like working for the NFL. Like how many people would pay to work for the NFL, right? And you got the opportunity to get paid to work for the NFL out there, NFL Network based in in LA, as as you kind of stated. So, I mean, what 
what was that like? I mean, you work for the Rams, you work for the Chargers, two of the new LA teams, feeling good. You get this job with the, the NFL Network. I mean, how excited are you? And at what point do you start to realize, like, all right, yeah, this isn't quite what I was looking for. And maybe I don't, this isn't quite the dream job that I thought it would be. So, yeah, I was as happy as can be, as you can think, as anyone think this might live in born and raised in LA, all of everyone to do is to work for a team or the NFL network. So when I finally you got did the, all of it, you yeah, did all of it. I did in two years, year. yeah. two years. I was like, Holy smokes, this is really happening. And I was like, wow, this is great for my resume. You know who everyone's going to want to hire me, you know, just thinking out of the middle, like, hell yeah. And then when I finally get to the NFL network as a production assistant, our job was to basically sit at a desk work. We had a couple of shows we worked on every day work with an editor and basically just my job was to look at the rundown of the show, mm-hmm. go to the production meeting, see what we're going to talk about and just basically go into our storage and find like the clips they wanted us to find. And then that was pretty much I, every day, the same thing. So I got, I got tired of the repetition of the job. It was just sitting down, staring at a, at a TV and that's pretty much it. And eventually I was watching so much football I couldn't watch football for fun anymore. Like oh, no. I just, I was getting tired because I'm staring at of a, a film, of game film every day. On the side, they have our network shows on all the TVs, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And on the weekends, when we cover football games, we're watching games. And I couldn't even watch games because on Sundays, your job is to watch the, your game, and basically the highlights that you guys see on like NFL highlights or, or NFL game day. Those are the highlights we're building. Mm-hmm. So we have to go in there and like, okay, we're gonna use that for the highlight. We're gonna use that for the highlight. But I can't watch anything else but my game. And focus to make sure, like, say the Patriots are playing the Rams and it's like Tom Brady might retire. Story of the game is Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. But if anything else develops, we got to push it that way. Yeah. It's just little things like that. But, like, we we have to worry about our game and our game only. And you really – and at the same time, we're, like, writing about, like, what's going down with – we're basically typing out what's going on. Like, first down, it was a path to blah, blah, blah for five yards. Mm-hmm. And then clip, clip it and the next one. So we're writing. We're, like – triple tasking at the same time it's like just wasn't fun after a while yeah that doesn't sound like too much fun honestly um and and that's one thing so again you went into sports media though and the understanding is when you're in sports media it's it it goes from the thing that you love to enjoy as a hobby you know kind of you know as a positive let's call it a net positive in your life down to almost a net negative because that becomes your career that becomes your job and you don't get to as you said enjoy it as much as you used to you were you I have to assume you were aware of that was this kind of the first time it really hit you that like all right this isn't you know I love sports but I don't want this to be my job I want to still be able on Sundays to enjoy the games with my friends and drink beer and eat chicken wings and do everything else the NFL (laughs) fans want to do so I was aware that you know I'm just gonna be surrounded by football but the positions that I ended up falling into were the positions I didn't want because I was on the production side where it's like Mm -hmm. Not you know you don't get to be creative at all. Like yeah. what they tell you is what you got to do, and that's it. Like people who worked on the creative side, you know, they were just they had more free time. They were more creative. They weren't really as you know people weren't as like strict on them about what they had to do because mm-hmm. they just had to play around with what's happening all around them. So that's when I knew like, hey, I don't want to be on the production back inside of stuff anymore. I want to figure out how to get to the other because at the network you have a production building. And then the other side is like the creative side, basically. I was like, how do I want, how do I end up on that side? Mm-hmm. And basically what I ended up getting to towards like towards the ending of my journey there. Cause it wasn't that long. It was about just basically season length is what I was there for. I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to get to that side. But thanks to the jobs I had, it opened obviously more doors for people to like interview me. And as, as we spoke about after the network, 
I had the chance to interview for with the Kansas City Chiefs for one of the, their uh, social media position. Didn't get the job, but I was mm-hmm. thankful for that opportunity, and that that kind of landed me where I'm at now, mm-hmm. and it's kind of all worked out. But yeah. that's where I realized, like at the network, where I realized I need to end up on that side to be able to enjoy football. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. And that definitely makes sense. I mean, again, you're not quite, you, you kind of kept falling into positions, pretty cool positions to certain people. But as you said, it wasn't really what you wanted to do. You wanted to be on the other side, essentially. Um, and unfortunately, that wasn't the thing. Of course, you know, you were in one of those, I guess, pay your dues, right? In one of those pay your dues positions where that's where everyone has to start. You got to start at the bottom to be able to build your way up. But it sounds like even if you built your way up, it still wasn't anything that you really wanted to do. So again, thankfully, you were able to figure out what you did want to do and how you did want to kind of progress your career. And as you said, and into what you're doing now. So how did you, how did this opportunity come up? So again, let's see, I told you about 45 minutes, I'm going to butcher the name, but let's see if I can do it. Combate Americas. Correct. So, nice. all right. So, tell us about what it is, how you got this job, and, and what you do there. So, Combate Americas is basically another form of uh, MMA fighting. So, another UFC, another Bellator. We don't relate to them. It's just our own version, and we focus on Latin American fighters, Spanish fighters. It's a bilingual gig: Spanish first, English second. And I fell into this because I have a. I also have a Spanish degree, double majored with Spanish mm-hmm. as well, just to use that as to my advantage. And when I got to the NFL, I realized there aren't a lot of Spanish openings for like the Rams had finally opened like a Spanish version to their team, like Spanish mm-hmm. social media. I was like, but there aren't a lot of teams op- branching out to the Spanish, which is a big part of the U.S. now. Like we make up a good amount of the U.S. population. I was like, I need to figure out how to get there and open that up. And that's when somehow, some way, I found that Kansas City bilingual position. Like, how the hell is Kansas City, out of all teams, having a bilingual job? But then I put two and two together. They were going to Mexico that following oh, season yep. to play. I was like, oh, they're smart. They want to get ahead because of that. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then I saw that because I need to be able to find a bilingual job to gain the experience after I didn't get that job to be able to get in there. Mm-hmm. And then I was just, it was the first, this is the first job I've heard back through LinkedIn, by the way. Applied 100 applications through LinkedIn, one and only job to till, till this day that got back to me. I just typed in bilingual in LinkedIn and it was searching. And then I saw this Combate Americas bilingual social position. I was like, never even heard of this. What is this? Look up to, I just, I sent my application and after I applied, I looked into it and I realized, oh, it's just a form of, I was like, at this point, I was like, I just saw bilingual social media. What I want to do, let's send the app and figure the rest out as we go. So I sent it and then I started looking into it. Oh, they're, they're fighting. I can do with that. Gives me a break from football. And then I got the interview. The interview ended up being 10 minutes from my house, a couple of blocks from my high school. I was like, holy smokes, this would be perfect if this works out because I don't got to be driving hours no more in LA traffic to get anywhere. It's just up and down my block. And since it's still like a growing company, they told me, if you get the job, you're going to be doing a little bit of everything because mm-hmm. you know they're still trying to figure it out. And two weeks later, I got the call saying, hey, we'd like to offer you the position. I was like, well, this is, this is, this is going good. This is what I wanted. And the funny thing is I got the... I got the call on my way to Canada as I was going on a little snowboarding trip for the weekend. So I was like, they made it even extra special for that weekend to just get, I went, met yeah. up with college friends in Canada. We had a great weekend and I was like, well, I don't got to work because I got finally solidified my job. So mm-hmm. we're good. We're good to go. That's awesome, man. And congratulations. And I think, yeah, I mean, when you told me about it, I did a little research. I mean, I'm not the biggest MMA fan. I don't really even like UFC that much, but teach his own. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. So I guess like what, 
uh timeline here when was this what you, so, you got the job about a year and a half ago right i got the job so i so my nfl job they i knew i was gonna finish second week of february they gave us that no matter no matter what happens you're done second week of february after super bowl everyone who was on the contract's done so i applied in january and i got the job maybe the weekend before i was gonna finish up at the nfl Oh, that's wow. what they offered me because I wanted to make sure when I was I don't want to be like before where I'm like in mm-hmm. limbo trying to search for yeah. jobs the worst thing in the world so I wanted to make sure my job was solidified because at the NFL Network just like the Rams and Chargers they're like we may have positions open but there's pretty much a line of people who've been you know yeah. year to year with us who might get it before you do it just depends I was like I don't want to re- I don't want to have to rely on maybe I want to make sure I have a job and then when I got the job I told them like hey thank you for the opportunity but i already accepted an offer won't be back next year and they understood obviously because i told them like i want to use my spanish in a professional manner of course to help me with my resume it opens up more doors for me so when that happened you know i was again i was just like you i was like i knew about mma had seen some stuff but i was not the biggest fan for me it was like it's a way for me to break off from football to become a fan again and then learn this sport because i'm like if it's a new sport a new position, I'm going to be learning a lot more out of this than if I were to hop into another football job mm-hmm. where I, I would just feel more comfortable and I wouldn't, I don't think I have to learn more in a sense. And then, well, yeah, my boss, my, my, the boss who hired me, she was great. She moved on eventually, but because of her, I like grew so much because I was just thrown into the fire two weeks after maybe when I got back from Canada, two weeks, I was already on a plane to Mexico for my first event. I was like, Holy shit, this is, this is, this is happening. This there is going go. on. Traveling okay. again, maybe not quite the same way as you no. with the Rams, but traveling again then. And I guess yeah. I feel like what, so you've been doing this job for a little while and we'll, we'll kind of take these last three months with the pandemic and everything out. Obviously it's been kind of weird. The time that you've been there, I mean, what are, what are some of the things that you've found out about the sport that maybe you really started to like a little bit more, like connecting with the the fighters and the players? Like what have you been doing to really amplify this brand, Combati, Combate, Americas. I'll get it. I'll get it. Man. You caught yourself. It's good. You I, caught I, yourself. Caught it. I caught it. I caught it. What have you been doing to help? I mean, as a social media coordinator, as you said, you kind of have wearing a lot of different hats, but what are you doing to help amplify the brand to get this in front of people to show them that, Hey, you know, you're not watching the UFC. You can be watching this. You're not watching Bellator. You can be watching this and really connecting. I mean, other than through Spanish with the Latin American fans that would come to see these fighters specifically. So uh, one of so our co- our creator basically his biggest thing was like so we're gonna push Mexico hard, and we're gonna push cities in the U.S. where UFC and Bellator don't go, and there's a bigger Spanish population, so mm-hmm. we can get, we can bring new fans. So that's kind of the way we attack things. Like we don't want to we don't want to go to L.A. We don't want to go to San Fran because you know also L.A. There's just so much going on where yeah, yeah, any yeah. given Friday if you're not the talk of the town you're not going to get nobody to show up to you. Mm-hmm. So in California, we mostly go to Fresno is our, probably the best place in California, just because again, Fresno is in the middle of kind of nowhere in California. Sense. So, you know, not a lot of people want to go up there. We go up to Stockton a lot because there's a bigger Spanish population. And we go to a lot of, we go to Tijuana and Mexicali, which are two border, border, um, mm-hmm. border cities. And in Mexico, we visit Mexico city, Guadalajara and Monterrey. Those are three big hubs in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So we, and that's pretty much where we dial in. And then I think the biggest thing that I liked about the job so far is that, like I told you, I have to wear a bunch of hats. So I'm not just strictly social media. Everyone does does everything. So I've learned how to edit both video and photography. Look, not, I'm not, a, I would not say I'm definitely not an expert. I'm not no mm. creative mastermind, but I can do things that I knew I couldn't do before yeah. and at a faster pace. And just the relationships you build, because it's only, 
I, when I first started, it was four of us who, who were a part of the digital team and we were all trying to run around and with our heads chopped off, trying to figure out how do we're going to figure all this out and do it. So it's been, it's been a, a off the rat, off the bat. It was a great learning experience. Cause I came in, came in there thinking one thing, but doing a completely different thing right away. So it was, it was kind of chaotic at first, but, and I've never been to an MMA fight. And then my first MMA event, I saw a dude take a head to the knee and pass out. I was like, uh, Oh, so this is MMA. Okay, cool. I, I could get behind this. I wouldn't be right. fighting this, you know, yeah, right. I wouldn't do it, but watching watch. it. Yeah. yeah. Watching watch. it. And then that's when I kind of getting more into the sport. I'm like, this is actually not that, not the worst. Like you're seeing people just beat the shit out of their asses for, for money. Hey, I mean, that's, that's to, each, pretty, to, each uh, their own, to each their own. It's very primal. It's very human, right? Like, let's get a, a foot race and a fight. I feel like those are the two things that are very primal. It's just us human beings. That's all we got. We got our fists, we got our feet, and that's all we can do. So it's really interesting. And I'm glad you started to like it more and more over time, too. I think that's pretty important. And, and in terms of social media, how how are you, like, what what is different that you're doing here then you would have, and again, you obviously didn't work at the UFC or Bellator, but like, I'm sure you pay attention to the things that you, they are doing and, and how they're doing it. How are you guys trying to make sure that you are different and you're really pushing again, the, the, the Spanish aspect again, you're really pushing the, Hey, watch us because you know, your Latin fighters, your family members, your countrymen, they're fighting here when I I'll be honest, I don't know, but I'm assuming there are other Mexicans, I'm sure there's other Dominicans and, and and Puerto Ricans that are in the UFC and Bellator again. I don't know. I'm just assuming. Like, how are you kind of distinctly making sure that those people understand? No, you should be coming over here to watch because we're tailoring it to you. Or in a kind of a so, long-winded question that I don't think I really yeah. end, ended, but I think you understand. So first off, I think so in the Hispanic community, the one biggest thing is family. So they always try to make everything based off of family. Like, hey, we're here for you. You're here for us no matter what. And the second thing is the UFC, Bellator, they already have established fighters, you know, grapplers, yeah. whatever you name it. They have established fighters. We look for the young and up-and-coming guys who are more for, like, show. Like, they're there for the knockout. They want to stay on their feet and just go at it. They don't want to go on the ground. Because yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever seen a UFC fight when they get to the ground. They're, like, hugging each other. We're like, no one wants to see that. Mm -hmm. Like that's just after a while, it just gets boring where another man's just laying another man breathing heavily on him. No one wants to see that. <laughs> so uh, our, our fight team and our head and our head honcho, basically they look for people who specialize in like basically striking who have boxing backgrounds to make sure when they're in the cage, they're just going to go toe to toe and not try to like shy away from any kind of contact. So I know at one point, like last year we had, multiple events where it was like first round knockouts just like it was a back-to-back and we're like oh shit how are we gonna fill all this tv time yeah, right. like we didn't expect all this to happen so they always try to do that and then we always try to get people who have a boxing background since boxing is a big thing in mexico mm -hmm. you know we have they have some of the big, biggest boxers so they try to get into that realm too and then we've got into the lucha the lucha realm we've got in some lucha fighters as well it's Wait, like basically lucha is like wwe okay. wwe for in like mexico it's just another it's just how they refer to it. it's called lucha mm -hmm. libre so we get some Lucha Libre stars as well to now just bring more eye candy, I guess, to our to our sport. But in a sense, basically, we try to make it tailored to like the family aspect with younger and up upcoming fighters. In a sense, so we don't we're not you know boring old fighters who've been there for like twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so with with that, you know, again, you're you're wearing a lot of different hats. Your title is social media coordinator, but it sounds like you're even talking about the TV aspect. It sounds like you're you're still doing some filming and some uh, you know photography and some editing on top of it. 
how many like what how how much fun is it to be able to as you said utilize your spanish you want to be in that bilingual aspect so that way you, you can kind of put that on a resume and it's there and it's much more attractive makes you much more attractive to other companies but how much fun is it now to be able to say you've done all of these things and you're able to say that yes maybe i'm not a master at any of one of these things obviously social media you're probably very damn good at it but all these other things you can say, like I have experience in it and I've worked at it and it's for a startup fighting company. Like that's pretty damn cool. That, that, that was one of the biggest draws to me. Cause if I take it back to school, the biggest thing at Oregon was to make sure you don't focus and hone in on one thing, because mm-hmm. in today's world, if you're just a specialist in one thing, they can find like five people who can do that, but also do like 10 other things at the yeah. same time. So the biggest thing to them was like, make sure you guys can do a little bit of everything, maybe be good at one thing, but make sure that you can do a little bit of everything else so you can branch out and do that. So when I saw this about this app, I was like, hey, this is perfect because, yes, I'm going to be working with social media, but I'm also going to be working with YouTube. I'm going to be working with the fighters. I'm going to be writing stuff. I'm going to be working with TV and making sure, like, the promos work and blah, 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 and translating in Spanish. So, like, this is, like, perfect because, for me, I'm still young and I'm still growing in this industry. I'm like, I need a, I need to soak up as much as this as I can because the more stuff I know and the more stuff I get better at, it's just going to benefit me more down the road in terms of mm-hmm. other jobs because yes, I can do social media, but I can edit, I can point and shoot and just little things like that. And then I can do it in both languages as well. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, it's the best thing. But I think also the best thing also about this job is like, I don't ever feel like I'm working because it just feels like, it's like, I'm like in the, in the backyard with my, my uncles growing up all talking Spanish to each other. Cause obviously there's a lot of Spanish slang and we all just talk to each other like that. So it just makes it just makes it more welcoming and more comfortable mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah, and then the, fight, the fighters hop in and they just stay. Because obviously if you go to other places, if they don't have people from with this background, you can't really connect with like the fighters or mm-hmm. other people like that because, you know, you're coming from one side of the world and they're on the other side. But when they, when fighters see that, you know, Spanish, like there's been some fighters that we have that only know Spanish and we send people who only speak English and it's just a clash. Yeah, like of course. you're trying to figure out what's saying. And so when they have people, you know, who can communicate with them and they just, they just feel more at home and more comfortable and willing to open up for like the interviews, our interviews, we always have someone who speaks Spanish asking the questions to make sure they, the fighter realizes, Hey, I can talk to him because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, him and I understand each other. It's just easier. Yeah. So I was, I yeah. think that was the biggest draw about the job is like, just, I don't ever, I've never really felt like it's a job in a sense, because I just feel like it's just one big family all, trying to help this company grow in a sense. That is awesome, man. And yeah, that's one thing. I mean, I'm a very big baseball fan and, and, you know, you see a lot with, and, and it's, it's, you know, not even getting asked the questions in Spanish. It's, it's answering them in Spanish, right? Like it's, it's, that's your natural language, or at least many of these guys, I'm assuming that's their first language. You're obviously going to feel comfortable speaking that over a language that, yeah, you can speak it, you can talk, you know, and, but it's just, it's more natural for you, right? Like Ichiro, he speaks English and obviously- but he Pretty never, cool. he will never go to a press conference and speak English because he knows something can be missaid, and then the media is going to run wild with it. A lot of Spanish guys. I mean, Yohan Cespedes, one of you know, a Mets player, he can speak English. I've heard him speak English before, but if he, he does doesn't want conference, to, he doesn't want to because he's more comfortable. He knows he's going to say the right thing in Spanish. You can easily miss. I miss speak English all the time. Like what? That wasn't even a correct sentence. What I just said. So it's it's kind of crazy how some of that stuff yeah. works. And I, mean, and, yeah. I was going to say, I remember just on that. I remember one year. I saw ESPN do a interview with Yasel Pui when he was here the, with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. and they were asking him questions in English. I'm like, so you're telling me not one person on ESPN staff in LA speaks Spanish yeah. to make that interview a little more easier for both of them? Like, it was just so off. I'm like, that's yeah. where I was like, I need to make sure 
I like hone in on this bilingual mm-hmm. stuff because that just opens more doors. Absolutely. So when I, I see little things like that, like you're telling me ESPN in LA, LA mm-hmm. doesn't have anyone who could have gone in there to like to speak Spanish to Yasuo Peak, who would, that probably would have been a way more a better interview, not way better. Wow, a better interview yeah, in a sense. Like you and me both, man, we're crushing it in these last couple <laughs> oh, minutes. Oh God. Um, one um, one last thing that I think is kind of interesting. So your career has kind of come full circle a little bit. Now you know, on the social media side has the word media in it. You're in sports <laughs> media essentially, right? So you're, you're, you're not quite doing exactly what you thought you would as you came out of school, but you're much closer to it now than you were as a production assistant at the NFL. How does that like revitalize your juices to get back in front of the camera, to get back in front? I'm assuming you're probably doing some of that stuff already considering you have to wear all these hats. So how much of that is is worked into this social media coordinator role of kind of some of the stuff that you thought about you were going to do before? So it's funny because going full circle, like you said, the radio station that ghosted me, we actually connected again. And some things are kind of in the works with them right now. There's nothing definitive, but I told them like, hey, don't worry. I I told them like straight up, if you guys hired me, I think I would have blown it because my Spanish, not where it should have been. And in uh-huh. the past year and a half that I've been with this job, my Spanish has grown so much that now like before I had to like always break off and say English stuff because I just wouldn't remember some Spanish words. Now I can like have more comfortable yeah, yeah, yeah. Spanish conversations. So it's been the wearing all these hats the past year and a half has really kind of, like I said, revitalized. Like, hey, I don't think I want to end up back in the camera because just that side of the sports world is just so competitive mm-hmm. and then i have so many friends who've had to go to like little markets to like make a name for themselves yeah, to eventually yeah. get to the bigger places and like i don't think i can go back and move to like the middle of illinois to be on camera to possibly yeah. have a shot so i'm i'm now more comfortable being like behind the scenes kind of mm-hmm. showing everyone with social media like hey this is what this is what can happen and this is what goes on behind the doors that most people don't see which is i think the best thing about social media is like you're behind the scenes and you get to see what's going on that not a lot of people see. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always try to like push like, Hey, we got to show some of these people like what goes on behind like the cage being built, the fighters getting ready, just the mentality of like, not just what, sh- what they see on TV, but like mm-hmm. if we could show them more of what goes on more of like the human aspect of it. Like that's great. Cause like that make would make them connect more because they again they only see what we we are giving them where we're showing them and if we can kind of show them more behind the scenes is great so i think but this job is kind of showing me like this is kind of where i want to stay at i don't have any more aspirations of being that whole tv thing was out the door a while ago yeah, yeah, yeah. i made peace with that a long time ago but the radio thing i still have you know the itch just i you know i'm working in mma but i still love football mm-hmm. and football has always been the biggest thing to me big ncaa and big nfl guy like I stay up to that. I stay up to date like that, like no other. Most of my Twitter followers are all based people who are right, right, talk about football. So when I talked to them about this sports thing, I was like, hey, you know, is there any possibility they might be getting the Raiders too? So I might be going and helping them with their football coverage. So mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, this kind of goes down the right way. But in a sense, I was mad at them that they goes to me. But I'm kind of thankful mm-hmm. also that it goes to me because I probably would have blown that job so bad like I did with the radio station in Oregon because I definitely was not comfortable with my Spanish. And now that I'm older, you know, you're like, look back and you're like, oh, things really do happen for a reason mm-hmm. in a sense. Yep. I love it. All these, all these stories come full circle. It seems like you just, you have a couple different circles that fulfilled and Hey, maybe you and uncle Brent, you and uncle Brent Musburger, that's going to be a fun, fun <laughs> duo. But Eric, this has been absolutely fantastic. Eric VR, social media coordinator at Combate Americas. 
really Americas, right? Correct. About the Americas. Yep. You nailed it. About the Americas. I got good. I got kind of good at it by the end. But no, sincerely, man, really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Take care. Stay safe out there, everyone.